0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Combat Chain. I am your host, Patrick. My lynx has pounced its last, I assume, a small rodent of some kind. Lynxes are hunting cats, but not large cats. So really, just... Cognizant of their possible food chain here. Shaw, and with me is my co-host Adam. That wildfire combo is really cool while it lasted. I guess I'll put my fancy boots on the rack and play Ira or something. Bill Chuck. Adam, I will not try to give you 18 hours of raw footage this week, but uh how
1: are you doing? I'm I'm doing well, Pat. Uh man, when I saw the show notes for today and I, I saw those long <laughs> I don't know what you call them. Uh I, I was wondering how you're going to pull it off, but you you pulled it off quite well there. Uh, Are you familiar with
0: uh, the old ECW wrestling uh, organization?
1: I am all? not, unfortunately. I wasn't there allowed is... to watch wrestling growing up. I was like my mom thought it was oh, evil, man. so I oh. I was not privy to such things. It's animaniacs, Power Rangers, and uh, uh, and wrestling oh, were, were no goes for me. Oh, oh,
0: no, WWF uh, uh, raised me. No, I, my parents are very good, but I watched a ton of wrestling. But at ECW had a, a announcer called Joel Gertner, and his thing was, I am Joel, Oof, long, long, long thing, Gertner. And uh, usually a little R-rated in the content. ECW was extreme, so it had to be super edgy. But uh, that's that's my influence there. But today is a crazy day uh, because we got the ban and suspended announcement last night and Worlds uh, were rocked with that announcement. And we want to discuss that and more uh, with our guest today. Our guest is one of the iconic faces of Flesh and Blood content. You can see him casting just about every calling and pro tour event around the world, whether that's on site at the venue or streaming at ungodly hours for international events from his own home. His YouTube channel recently crossed the 10,000 uh, mark, and now you can find him looking for Lornly in his once great Kano Blitz deck. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Stephen Cookus, better known as DM Armada, to the show. Mr. Armada, thank you for coming on to the Combat Chain.
2: Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to come and hang out with you, and yes, I am actually looking for Lornly at this Kano deck, uh, which I did make changes to, and you know what? You can still play it. It may not be great, but you can still play it.
0: I watched I watched your 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 initial reaction video and that the first 20 seconds you I don't know if you felt it at the time because it was previously recorded. But you and I locked eyes and I felt I felt (laughs) emotional for you while while that was running just sadness into the camera. I definitely felt that
2: I'll Um, tell you what I um. I had a very fun time playing up the salt in that video. I'm generally not a salty person, um, and I was kind of bummed by the announcement, but I wasn't nearly as salty as I think a lot of people thought I was going to be. And so, you know what? I sat there and I'm like, I'm just going to play it up. I'm just going to full salt. I don't normally do that in my videos. And I just thought it was the perfect moment. And you know what? I had a blast recording that video. (laughs) It was hilarious. At least to me. It was it was hilarious to me. So hopefully other people enjoyed it as well. I think so.
0: I definitely did. Uh, so before we get into the the meat and potatoes of this, uh, no one escapes the origin story. Tell us about the man before he became the legend.
2: Like all the way back to like high school or? Uh, when, we
0: <laughs> when were you born? No, uh, give me, give me your intro into. I was uh, into born in a log blood. cabin. <laughs> it's a stormy January. It was uh, a.
2: <laughs> it was a full moon and uh, my yeah t- no no I'm not going to go on from there um so how I got into flesh and blood is that what we're talking about well I yeah, that's
0: a good start and stop I think
2: for sure let's do it I um I was scrolling through my phone um back in like September I think it was September of 2019 and I was I was sitting in my bed scrolling through my phone as you're to do pre-pandemic mm-hmm. and uh, I was I was just um, minding my own business, looking at Facebook or something like that. And i it was actually Facebook, yeah, because I scrolled past a Facebook ad and I was like, cool, Facebook ad, keep scrolling. And then my brain triggered and I scrolled back up because there was this really epic picture of like a female warrior clad in like plate armor, like standing majestically looking off into the distance. And I was like, okay, stop. I don't care if this is a Facebook ad. I'm going to click it because that art is sick. And so I did. And it took me to fabtcg.com back before it looks like what it looks like now. Uh And I was like, I have no clue what I'm looking at, but I've surmised that it is a trading card game and that the company is uh, putting on a tournament when the game releases in October. And they're giving away like $10,000 or something crazy. And I was like, that is just so audacious. I need to know more about this because they were hosting two of them, and the game was being made by a company, a small company, in New Zealand of all places. And so I was like, okay, that that seems insane. That seems really cool. And so I looked at where they were selling it, and I found out it wasn't out yet. And so I put it on my calendar that I was gonna go to a local game store and buy some product and make a video about it. And so I did that. On the release day, I showed up to a local game store and I said, There's this game that I've heard about called Flesh and Blood, have you heard of it? And they were like, oh yeah, we've been running events for like two, three weeks now. Like what, this game has been like in pre-release mode and they were just running events like preparing for the tournament which was like three hours away from where I was. I was like, I could have just come early and picked it up. But anyway, I bought uh, a couple of classic constructed um, like hero decks, picked up a couple of those and some packs and I made a really bad video um, you can still watch it, still on the internet. And uh, I made a really bad video trying to figure out the game as I as I opened it, and the rest is history. I've been playing it ever since, and uh, been enjoying it ever since.
0: What was the uh, what was the store?
2: Reaper Reaper Game Store.
0: That is that is um, a legendary store in. It in- is. The beginnings of Flesh and Blood, I believe.
2: Yeah, it's still is, a legendary it, story. Yeah,
0: it is. It is. Uh, but I, if I if I'm not mistaken, that's that's a is that Brendan Patrick's former stomping grounds as well. I'm yeah, afraid... he and I
2: he and I met up there um, in like December 2019, January 2020, and we were talking about how we uh, we both wanted to get together and like uh, record gameplay for the the game because the game was mm-hmm. still super small in its yeah. infancy. I had just made a, a how to play um for the for the game just made a how to play video and uh we, he was mentioning that he really wanted to get some gameplay out there so people could kind of interface with it on a on a deeper level and i was like yeah let's do that and then pandemic happened and then that did not
0: mm-hmm. happen i wonder whatever happened to that guy brendan oh i hope he's doing all right yeah um, hmm. so uh we want to dive into banlist talk so we know that uh, everyone here was affected by it but i want to kind of uh, run through them and get get some opinions on uh, how how we feel about these. So let's talk about bands uh, first. Let's talk a Pulse of Eisenloft out in Classic Constructed. Um, I know for me I I've had a problem with Oldham. Uh, I think the win rates. I, I'm I'm on board with LSS in in their talk of the win rates. I was concerned about it going into the third week of Nationals <coughs> that the uh, you you could basically see Oldham had like roughly 40% of the pie chart, and then it was almost parity with everybody else. And uh, that's right in line with basically every other hero that affected a ban in previous metas uh, before that. Where where does Pulse uh, uh, fall here in terms of like cards you may have expected if there were to be a ban, uh, Mr. Armada?
2: Uh, I would never have guessed Pulse would be the uh, be the thing that they chose to ban. But I think it's a smart one um, because it's like it is the, the tickliest of bans. It's like we just mess with you a little uh-huh. bit, which I think is the exact right take for this current meta to a degree. I mean, if that's the only thing that you do, I think that's a pretty good take um, because of the way that the meta has been shifting from – the beginning of national season to the end of national season, um, and Oldham has sort of started to run into matchups and good players on other decks that are kind of showing up and showing out to some degree. It's still a really good deck, and it's still probably the best deck in the format. But I think Fi is starting to maybe supplant that for me in my mind. Um, but I think if you're trying to bring its advantageous numbers down, which is what LSS is saying, this is a really smart way to try and do that without affecting the deck too much because doing something like taking crown of seeds um even though crown of seeds in certain matchups is i don't want to say unnecessary but less utilized uh, i think Mm -hmm. taking away crown of seeds is huge still like from a fundamental perspective um for the deck because it can do so many things uh with crown of seeds that it obviously can't do without it um, so for me I think that's a good call I do think uh, you do also need to look back at Phi again because I think Phi is the premier aggro deck and I don't think it's particularly close uh, and that's the interesting thing to me because if that's the case and people continue to pick up on that as they are already then we could have a very Phi heavy worlds mm,
0: uh-huh. yep that is definitely something uh, I think to be concerned about Adam Pulse of Eisenloft. uh like like uh, like
1: Stephen had uh, just mentioned, it's kind of tickly. Uh, what were you expecting out of out of the announcement? I actually wasn't expecting anything whatsoever. Um, I I kind of felt like even though old him is the best deck, like he was, like he, he wasn't like oppressively so at this point. Uh, so I kind of felt like if they did nothing, it would have been okay as well. But I get. I get Pulse of Eisenloft. It it really reduces... in Like, in the article, they talk about reducing things by a percentage point, and it really, I think, it it strikes the mark there. Um, you know, it's just gonna, every once in a while, that, that small little advantage you might gain out of Pulse, it just, you don't get that small little advantage anymore, and I think that's the perfect uh, touch. It's not over the top. Like you said, Crown of Seeds would have been far too much. They, they have a knack for, for getting the card that people don't expect
0: uh, on, onto the list. Like autumn's touch. I think when it hit, I think everyone very in in a, in very Michael Hamilton fashion uh, had some very good to pick a card. No one was really expecting. And everyone kind of went, Oh, of course it makes all the sense in the world. Um, yet to be seen. We'll see how this, this, this goes. I'm still, I'm still concerned about Oldham. Uh, Steven, you brought up that Phi is the premier the premier aggro deck and it and it's not close. What what do you think is the main contributor to its its success and possible ascension into problematic?
2: I think it's just so easy to sit down and string together all of those attacks. And um, you have so many good synergies that they've built into the game. Uh, and built in specifically to the FI's, uh card pool that he just kind of I don't want to say he autopilots because he doesn't like you still have to be very skilled, especially knowing your matchups uh-huh. and knowing like uh, how to play into Icelander and mm-hmm. deck building for that. But I do think that there's um, there's this ability for a Fi player to just slam down their hand on the table and say it's, it's 20 damage, it's 18 damage, like, especially when uh-huh. you have off the backs of like an art of war. Art of War is just so good in that deck. Um, it, it feels like playing Art of War in Chain to some degree. Like it's the yes. same thing in a yep. lot of ways. And if you're feeling like you're playing Chain, then you could be problematic. I'll just put it that way. That that <laughs> deck was good, and this yep. deck is also very good because it can just go 18, 18, 18. And that is, uh, that's a scary proposition because it just doesn't care about having to block. And so you have to play Disruption into it. Otherwise, it just says, cool, I'll outrace you.
0: Very true. The the art of war uh, application in in Fi I do think is it's the best it's been since Chain. Uh, so like you mentioned that is very uh, that does have some potential to be problematic there. Um, there are some other bands going on uh, there, but it is all in Blitz. Uh, Stephen, how do you feel about Blitz format? Are you a fan? Is are you are you a Blitz player primarily? In general.
2: In general, I love blitz. Blitz is blitz is my favorite format. I actually thoroughly enjoy blitz in just about every form and facet that I've played it in. Uh, even now, after these bands, I've already been playing uh, Kano post ban or post suspension. We'll put it that way because it is a suspension. Uh, post boot suspension, and I'm still enjoying myself because I like that format. Um, and it's it's a format that demands that you know what you're doing. Uh, otherwise, you feel like you're getting high rolled. But if you know oh. what you're doing, then you can kind of mitigate some of that to some degree. Um, but yes, there are bands, and the one that stuck out to me is uh, the Boots, the Boots yep. band.
0: Yeah.
2: Let's talk about boots. let's talk about the Boots.
0: Yeah. A- Adam is also a Kano aficionado, so I think you guys can commiserate uh, on this particular one. Uh, Adam, uh, tell me the impact of Of the boot span, specifically
1: for Kano, I mean, it's they I think the lSS did a a great job summing it up, where it gives you like boots would give you, in theory, like huge theoretical card advantage where you could get an entire extra card cycle out of your deck without. Having to survive a turn cycle to be able to use those use those cards, and I think that's what L- LSS seems to be trying to put an emphasis on um, mitigating insane card advantage in Blitz. And um, when you put it that way, like getting Storm Striders makes sense. It really it it takes away a lot of Wizard's ability to kind of punish the opponent when they're overextended. Um, Um, and it's going to make Wizard have to work for it that much harder Um, Icelander and Kano both certainly still have some ability to do things on the opponent's turn and to punish when the opponent's overextended but it's going to be way harder now and I think I think for Blitz that's probably okay because like Kano if you could set up Wildfire quickly, Kano could chew through 20 life, no problem. Like, it wasn't mm. even close. And, like, it, it was easier to achieve than I think some people realized. So, the one thing I'm wondering now, though, is for Wizard, does... It, you know, seeing Wizzy Boots get or Storm Striders get uh Wizzy Boots. Let's hold, hold on, hold that's on. That's name.
2: That's definitely the better name. We're calling it that. <laughs> oh, that's
0: that's what i Boots called them great. Wizzy Boots. Wizzy Boots. All right. Okay. All right. Just had to pull over and. Whew, I'm using okay. that now. Wizzy Boots. It is all right, Adam. Continue.
1: Uh yeah, seeing uh seeing those go on the suspension list it makes me wonder if there's room to maybe bring back something like snapback. Hundred um, percent. Maybe we can tinker with Kano's power level and I think Icelanders' power level a little bit and go okay, you know, let's let's because if if you know having access to like stir and snapback and the boots and everything else was like a full ten. We've maybe taken Kano down to a four or a five now, but maybe just snapback brings it up to a six or a seven, and maybe that would be perfect. Um, I think having some ability to combo is a part of wizard in nature, and like right now, there's no ability to combo whatsoever, or very, very little ability to combo. So that's kind of where my head goes now is like maybe the next step is giving us back a smaller tool for for wizard and that might balance it out nicely
0: even um, you had...
1: oh yeah, you want to uh, jump in
2: yeah go ahead yep okay i totally agree i think um if you're from a fundamental perspective if you're trying to find a way to balance wizards that you perceive are um heads and tails above the rest of the field, and that's what LSS said that they did, then um, taking away a very powerful finisher makes sense. And I do think if you're trying to slow the game down, which is what they've they've said multiple times, they want to slow the format down, they want to slow Blitz down, then uh, doing that from a an opponent's perspective is a good benefit now i do agree i think it hits kano far harder than it hits icelander i think icelander is still totally playable in the format i think kano's um not dead like i joked in my video like uh, that i posted when it it came out the hero is not actually dead i do think you can still play him but i think now because you don't have the ease of access of uh comboing off in the traditional wildfire sense um i think you nailed it on the head you do have to work for it And in doing so, the only real way that you can play Kano is by going just massive combo turns back to back to back, basically just drawing blues or blues and yellows and then using things like Cindering Foresight to set the top and then like uh, digging through your deck and then like hitting just tomes and then hitting like... um, uh, sonic booms into lavas into like just all these random things that you kind of have to combo into and try to set up so you have to work far harder for it but you can get there I've been playing it on uh, on Talishar for the past I don't know maybe five hours or so um, and it's it's like middling it's like um I don't know six and six or something like that maybe five and seven um, but you can kind of find your way through that you know depending on the matchup. But I do think what this does is it 100% takes the power level of, um, both Icelander and Kano and knocks it down to what is perhaps a much more manageable level, especially more palatable for um, opponents to play into. And if that's what their goal is, then it works. I mean, it totally does. And I'm not as, uh, I'm not as heartbroken <laughs> as I liked to play it up in the video because it, it, these heroes are still playable and they are still good. But, uh, they're definitely not what they were pre-suspension of Stormstriders because Icelander pre Stormstrider suspension, so uh, yeah, really scary in that format. Really, mm-hmm. really scary.
0: I used to think about Kano in Blitz as a, uh, a. I I am not a wizard player, but I feel pretty comfortable in the wizard matchup, and I've always approached that that matchup in Blitz as a two-turn game right Two turn uh, on turn to someone's dying uh either i've been able to hold back a blue and stop the combo and attack enough uh to to deal lethal and protect myself or i am forced to overextend and you you hit wildfire you hit whatever it is uh that needs to be hit what what turn would you say like does kano have a clock Right now, uh, on it, can you is is it approached as a uh, like a three turn deck, a four turn deck, or an X turn deck
2: at this point? Pre or post uh, suspension? Post. Post. Um, uh, the way I've been playing it, it's like a three turn game. It's like a three to four turn game. Um, and so that means you can run tunic a little bit more comfortably. It depends on the matchup too. I think that's the really big thing because, like, if you sit down and you're playing, like I was playing it against a chain. And I incorrectly um, subbed in Spellfire Cloak. And uh, that game went four turns, and the chain player ended up winning. And uh, I had the opportunity to Arsenal and then play from Arsenal a Toma Fiendal with the Tunic resource, but I ran the wrong Tunic. I ran the Spellfire Cloak. And so. Um, you can now play that setup, I think, a little bit differently. but in if you're playing against Dash, you're dead in like two and a half turns. So it's like, well, <laughs> that, I don't know. It really depends on against the matchup that you're playing in.
0: Dash is getting particularly scary in both formats uh, right now. I think people are finally tuning tuning Dash up here into into a a minus tier right now. not quite as tier for me. But uh, continuing on to the bands, uh, the more band talk. Uh, this one affects me. Uh, S- Bloodsheath Skeleta getting getting the ban. I uh, I'm a Briar guy through and through. Uh, I've been on Five recently, but uh, people who listen to the channel and the pod know that uh, Briars one of my first loves. Um, and in uh, CC, it was really hurt. Like that that two block really sucked to lose. Uh, especially around Pro Tour New Jersey time, where uh, the ability to stop uh, Herald of Erudition was just almost moot at that point, because you only had Tunic or, or Iron Ironweave at that, uh, and you you basically were set up to block a f- block five damage. Um, so if they came in with the cheeky stuff, the Art of Wars or the Lunging Presses, Fu Dozer for the Lunging Press tech, but. Um, uh, losing that that ability to block for for two uh and obviously viscerai you know, really really abused that but briar needed the armor it doesn't have it anymore and now in blitz uh it had the armor and uh didn't have sonata and now lss has swapped that out where gelata is now out and sonata is in so briar's uh Ability to pivot using equipment is gone and it is now back to relying on the variants of Sonata poles. Uh, uh, And uh, I, Adam can attest, I am the reason variants exists and RNG is not in my favor. So I, I personally whiff on every Sonata I'll ever play. It doesn't matter how much I pitch into it. It is a miss. So having that card back is is a is a down uh, <laughs> is a thumbs down for for this guy here. But um, uh, what are what are our thoughts on on Skeleta getting the getting the axe and Sonata back in?
2: Um, I don't mind it either way. I I think um, for me, Skeleta going is just as much about trying to curb the ability of just like creating crazy amounts of rune chance and then getting value off of them a la something like a heart and cross strap which just Uh gets you a bunch uh of value um versus you know like whether or not it's it's one or the other i i don't i personally don't ever see myself pitching into sonata anymore i think it's more of a variance card that you kind of play as a free tome of the Knight now i mean it's always it's it's been that since uh they they parted the two when the two were split apart it's like they uh like they cut them down the middle and now that the skeleta and uh and sonata are separated sonata is just like this variance piece that if you hit you get some uh benefit on but you can't really play into too terribly much so for me it's like uh, they they took out a two block equipment that was honestly pretty great and had some good situational like uh play and they swapped in a, a piece that you can just kind of throw in the deck for extra non-attack stuff so for me it's like uh yeah it's like a eh.
0: That's that's fair. That's fair. I I'm not a huge fan of Breyer's matchup into Icelander right now, and I think that's a, one of the big things that's really knocked it down. Adam, you are the opposite of me, and hit all your tomes and sonatas. What what is your uh, how do you feel about it coming back into Blitz?
1: I'm I'm honestly in Blitz. Uh, I'm I'm mad about Sonata being there. Um, like Steven said, it's. Yeah, you're rarely pitching into it um and every once in a while it kind of essentially just if, if you're not pitching into it, it at best it can replace itself so it lets you dig into your deck a little bit and that's kind of nice sometimes it you know sometimes it'll whiff sometimes it'll hit but yeah i'm i'm mad about it um Bear. you can be mad about it i was one to pitch into it uh, a
0: lot I, I run channel mount heroic in both both formats so blue blue heavy and trying to sonata for x is three uh but hit, hitting one that's 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 the feels mm. bad moment there um last but not least uh mask of pouncing links uh very fun in phi necessary arguably in benji Uh, -hmm. and now, uh, now getting the axe LSS's, uh, justification is that it basically equaled, uh, five damage for free on demand and that equaled a quarter of your opponent's life. And that's too good. Um, they're likely, especially on FI, it enabled an OTK ish, uh, strategy where even on a four card hand going second Especially if you had uh, belittle and art of war stacked on top uh, of of one another here, you you created these monster chains, and if they hit, it, let you hit enough, you get assault the wound, and uh, <clears throat> if you felt uh, less comfortable about uh, assault the wound getting more value, you got lava Burst, But either way, you were you were attacking for twenty plus uh, in a given turn. Um, but now now that is now that is gone. It obvious for fi. Did Benji really deserve this, though, Adam?
1: <laughs> yeah, Benji was already struggling as it was, so I guess this really does kind of just put the nail in the coffin for Benji. It got that sweet justification, uh, 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 specialization,
0: and everything. lasted like, what was it, six months. Six months of glory for Benji.
1: Yeah, I remember Not... when... Benji kind of like when when uh, everything kind of got uh, teased for Benji there, and we thought Benji was going to be real, real problematic for a hot minute, and then everybody was just like, "Oh, wait a minute! You just run the equipment that blocks and mm-hmm. <laughs> crisis averted." Yeah, yep, yep. Protect protect yourself against the razor. Call it a day,
0: uh, Stephen. We were talking about this a little before we started uh, recording. By still good though. All right, mask momentum is now probably the default uh i have seen in some some instances in cc uh very niche uh running crown of providence instead of mount mask of pouncing licks, links um do you do you see something like that slotting in uh into five's inventory uh in blitz
2: uh yeah you could throw it in there just because you have the spots but i think you just windmill slam the uh mask of momentum onto the table every time you start the matchup i think it's actually an incredibly good ban for um well, specifically for Phi. I think Benji died for the sins of Phi because uh, mm-hmm. because Phi is ridiculous. Um, so the thing about that, I mean, it, they, they spelled it out perfectly, is that basically your one tutor effect that's on the table from the beginning of the game fetches you lethal. Which is funny, because they also suspended um, legendary boots that do the same thing for two heroes, Like uh, that fetch you lethal, basically, Um, except this one goes and gets a card from your deck that uh, I guess your opponent can know about and and the the legendary boots can be played on your opponent's turn. Um, So it is different fundamentally, but uh, like both there's parallels there, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, it is a it's a big change. But it doesn't like completely kill the deck, which is uh, kind of the change that you want, right? You want a change that brings it in line to a specific power level and still allows you to play that hero. And I think that the hero is still really good in Blitz, um, but it doesn't uh, completely stop you from playing it. And that's why I think that's a really powerful change because you also have this beautiful piece of equipment that has existed since the dawn of the game that already kind of does great things. And so you just tweak the deck a little bit and then you just run it out there and you're necessarily not pushing like six extra damage on any given turn to win the game. But you are threatening more card draw, which could basically be the same thing, but your opponent gets more counterplay into it. So that's why it's a good, that's why it's a really good change from LSS. I think that is quite wise, even though it does completely slay Benji.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or Benji. Um, as a as a whole now, post suspension, uh there was previously there there had like you had mentioned, uh complaints about blitz being high variance and and high rolly, and again, as you had mentioned, maybe they're just bad. Um mm-hmm.
2: but That's really uh, what it is. It's that it uh
0: is is Blitz where it needs to be right now, uh, with these bans in place? Do you think it is uh, a healthier happier environment for for everybody
2: uh no not for everybody no if you play kano then the the world is on fire and you <laughs> yeah, have no seriously. you have no ability to play <laughs> the game if you play bingy then you've immediately just torn your bingy to shreds and you've moved on um no so it's not it's not better for everybody but by and large it's trying to pull heroes that are way too pushed back down and i think doing that with phi and then doing that with icelander I don't know if there's enough people that have actually played Icelander in Blitz. Understand this. Icelander is incredibly good in Blitz for a lot of different reasons. The deck is really good, but just by saying that sentence, it, it's, it's hard to like encapsulate everything. Because the deck is really good it means every single variant of Icelander is really good, and you don't know what you're oh. sitting down to play, and so you can't tech against it, and then you just die to something. And so trying to pull its like power down is very wise if you want a more varied meta game. So if you want more people playing like warriors, for example, then pulling Icelander, who has great disruption, down is really good um why Kano has to die for it I understand because Kano is probably the uh, the most unfun hero to lose to because you lose on your own turn every single it's game It's terrible it is terrible Right but you know what it's way harder to play than most people can handle and it doesn't perform as well as everybody would want but you remember the games you lose to Kano because you presented lethal and still died and so it's for that reason why I think yeah. people un- find that hero unfun to play into Not necessarily because he's incredibly good. He is good, don't get me wrong. And in the hands of the correct pilot, he can be very good. But I don't think he's ever going to be the best deck in the format again like he was probably in Crucible of Wartime.
0: What is, right now, best deck? Uh,
2: In the format? um, So it's a good good question because um, if Aura Prism catches on like it might then you may just go Aura Prism is slightly favored into Oldham. Oh. Uh, but Oldham and Fi are probably the the top two decks. And uh, if Fi can keep pushing damage even though you don't have Mask, then um, then Fi might edge it out, but probably Oldham. I, I would say Oldham. And I think Icelander is still in the mix, but I don't think it's necessarily as good as the other two.
0: All right. Uh, Steven, you... Just wrapped up casting U.S. Nationals. Uh, I you did. have been just on. Uh, you have been on just about every U.S. event stream to date. You are a parent and a teacher, in addition to a content creator and a caster. I want to know about the juggling act. How do you keep all of these balls moving without dropping them?
2: I just don't sleep. I think you just stop sleeping in general. Yeah. And um, you know, you you just pretend you put on a I put on a lot of makeup that's why I look so youthful still no really what it is and and this is this is very truthful is I am very judicious now with my time um I don't watch a lot of tv I don't have hobbies um my hobbies are making videos and um you know commentating and uh playing flesh and blood and other card games as well like that is my hobby so like if um if uh, people and I've had this happen too, people will like send me a message. will be like, hey, can you like talk me through your daily routine or can you like, um, you know, give me some like tips on how you are able to kind of juggle everything? I just tell them. "I I wake up, I do the things that I got to get done. And then when it's time to kind of like decompress, I just I don't go and decompress in the traditional sense. I have found. Um, you know, enjoyment in making content. And that is my form of decompression. So for me, that's kind of how I juggle it all. I spend time with my family. Um, most often I go to work, I come back. And then when it's time to like watch Netflix, I don't do that. And then I instead come here and I sit in front of my computer and I record. And then I hope people watch it after the after doing so. Adam, do you
0: recall uh i'm starting to get uh, some some similar vibes from like the best people in flesh and blood because i had asked a similar question to uh Tariq patel uh i believe the first interview that we did with him not the second we interviewed Tarek patel here a lot here uh on the combat chain uh you can check out our previous uh episodes with him on our youtube channel but uh his 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 thing was time management uh, as well and now and now we're hearing it uh, again i beginning to to dissect how how we get good at the stuff that we need to get good at uh here i
2: mean that's what it that's what it takes i mean no matter what you want to get good at it really just takes choosing that over the myriad of distractions that we all have at you know our disposal um right at our fingertips and oftentimes within our fingertips and a phone It's so easy to just, you know, try to disassociate for a bit. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's like what you do, Um, because I do that from time to time. But I pulled away from that because I specifically wanted to, you know, make videos. And I was sick and tired. And this is personal for me. I was sick and tired of liking an idea for something, thinking it was really cool, and then starting said idea and then getting like a dog seeing another car and chasing that one and like, oh, I'm going to go to that idea or, hey, this one got too hard. So I'm not going to stick with it. I'm just going to do something else. And so I got sick of that for myself. And so I started this YouTube channel. And uh, I told myself that I was just going to keep going until I couldn't keep going anymore. And I guess we have been going for like seven years. So I, I guess I'm successful in that sense. I haven't stopped yet.
0: That is. That is very successful. And uh, we'll talk more about it uh, in a little bit. But 10,000 subscribers just just crossed crossed that Rubicon. That is a, a huge number and nothing to sneeze at. So congratulations on oh, ten thousand. Um, I want to focus on casting here. Where where does casting fall in your priority list of of what we just talked about? Your your hobby is all of this. Where mm. does casting fall in that hierarchy?
2: Um, so before I did the first flesh and blood casting experience, I had done. So I basically started my YouTube channel doing commentary over mm-hmm. gameplay. Um, and then I just did that a bunch. And then I did um, commentary for a world championship of a game called Dice Masters in 2019. This was like a month maybe before Flesh and Blood released. And that was an incredible experience. And I, I started to really fall in love with the idea of just doing full-on like commentating. And then when um, when I was approached to do commentary for... Uh, the calling in Vegas, the first calling um, ever, I guess it was, wasn't it? The first real calling, like after the 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 two that happened in uh, the U.S. and the one that kind of fired in New Zealand. Yes, I just fell I, in love with it again.
0: I uh, apologies to Colin Kaiser, who won one of those irrelevant callings in 2019 uh, and is now two time calling champion. One, no, not- they were not.
2: They were not irrelevant, but they were they were definitely smaller than they are now, right? Yes, definitely.
0: No, he's got he's got like I believe New Jersey was like the first one ever, like the yes. the super first one, and then yeah. his latest one, no coverage <laughs> at all. So he's he's just he's just tripping, he's just hitting rakes uh, with each of these events that he's going to. Um, I want to pick your brain a little bit about about this this job here. Um, how not every—it's not the same company that puts together each streamed event, right? There's Channel Fireball, there's there's uh, Star City Games. LSS mm-hmm. is like the parent company. How how does it work? Going to each one of the are you are you an LSS contractor or how does this? You don't have to get into the the super nitty gritty here, but how does how does it work? How 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 is the continuity of the casting team maintained? Throughout all these different events.
2: Yeah. So from what I can tell, and I can't speak to it, I'm sure there's there's people that can speak to it uh, on a deeper level from. But from what I can tell, um, LSS is sort of the the go to point for these companies that they contract out. So they they contract out like a, a channel fireball or an SCG, uh-huh. and uh, it is those companies that hire like commentators. And I believe I, I don't quite know this for sure, but I believe LSS can uh, can like recommend um, commentary teams and things like that or commentators in general um, for who they would like to see. Um, and then uh, those companies can go and, um, you know, approach those people for coverage purposes. And I think it's it's really from that point where everything else stems off. So the, the company will, you know, reach out and then set up commentating duties and talk about schedules and you know get uh, a team together and then just go from there that's from what I can tell from where I sit I believe mm. that's kind of the general gist of how it functions
0: now you had mentioned uh, that you you started your channel doing gameplay commentary on on your own accord now that you are in front of a you know in front of a camera doing this uh, for LSS on these premiere events are, are do you undergo any kind of specific do you train yourself for these do you practice your your voice do you practice your your knowledge what what goes into getting ready for one of these events
2: oh yeah i 100% train um for commentary i don't know if everybody does but i just feel like if i do i feel a lot more um you know capable into just about anything that they throw at me or the really the players throw at us Uh, So I will sit down and I will go through just I'll play a bunch of games, like as many games as I can possibly get my hands on in between making videos. But then when I am not sitting down and actively making a video and when I have like free time and I'm not, you know, spending time with my kids or my wife, that sort of thing, I will I will just sit down and watch gameplay on gameplay and I will I will digest videos and I will make my own. Um, you know matchup lists into specific matchups and like heroes into hero into this hero what like overall game plan was their game plan I will just sit down and grind that info out um, to the best of my own knowledge and if I'm off on something you know at least I tried and at least I have some uh, semblance of an opinion in the matchup Uh, but I will do that for as like every hero that I possibly can and uh, every hero that I think is going to be um, heavily featured in the meta. And so, yes, I sit down and I straight up do all of that. No, I don't memorize the cards, but I kind of already have them all memorized as we open the new sets and as they go. So for the most part, I have a, a pretty decent uh, back knowledge of any card that pops up. Weirdly enough, not including Wounded Bull, because I forgot Wounded Bull did the uh, the effect that it was. I, was I, I misremembered Wounded Bull for the other... Um, like Raging Onslaught, I think it was. The yeah. the blank text one, I, I swapped them in my head. But Wounded Bull, that was a good pick.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think anyone saw that coming, nor recalled the text when it was uh, initially played. That's
1: for sure. <laughs> you know what's interesting, though, about that is uh, Michael Hamilton was very open about uh, the whole Wounded Bull concept in Icelander in the Manor episode leading up to US Nats. Like, he was like straight up he was just like yeah I'm playing Icelander, but I'm running Wooded Bull in it and here's the whole idea behind it like and it's funny cuz oh, I didn't even I didn't even listen to that episode until after um yeah, like yeah. everyone had been shocked by this um it's just this staring at of, us in the face the whole time but he he, he was just us shots. he was so funny he was just like he was so open about it and uh I just, I just, yeah, I think that's, that's funny that for how open he was about it, that it was still as much of a surprise as it was to the, the global community.
0: Manor, uh, the Manor cast, uh, up and coming podcast with new friend of the, of the channel, Michael Hamilton and Roger Bodie, uh, very informed. It is, it is super. Michael Hamilton has one of the greatest minds for this game. Tarek is, is another one. I, Yuki is another one. But Michael's understanding and just his... The way that he brought out some of the concepts that uh, I had asked him about uh, last week was just nuts. He has... Uh, I posted it on the Combat Chain Twitter. The The most concise... Explanation of how top players mitigate variance and continue to win in this game that I've I have heard yet from anybody uh, trying to explain that. So uh, if you guys want to see that, go on to the combat at the combat chain Twitter uh, and see that and check out the last episode.
2: Uh, I'm going right now to look at that. Here I am. I'm looking at it now.
0: It is. Uh, he he talks he talks about decision points and how if you you know if you Im- improve your ability to make decision points y- if you're making if you're making 200 decisions in a game you and you make 110 decision points correctly and your opponent makes 100 decision points correctly y- you have increased your it, it may seem like you've only gotten 5% uh, of of value like increased but those those decision points over time give you enough of a small edge with each one that you're your probability of winning just is is much greater uh, there so those right you get those those top players who know how to make those individual decision points and are you know Pablo Pintor makes 120 decision, correct decision points and his opponents might average 115 correct decision points and that's how you get to be one of the best players in the world and it makes he does go into much more uh, sideboard matchups are important and, and things like that. But in terms of like the, the thought process, Oh, oh that was that, that was chef's kiss. That was, that was intellect, uh, adult entertainment for myself. Uh, when he was saying <laughs> <and> <laughs> All right. That is, uh, I went way off the rails. I want to pull us back in because I want to talk to you continuing about your casting experiences here. You are like a, you're, you are like a world traveler at this point um when you go to these uh, events are you more of a uh, hermit you're in the convention center you rest you go back to the room you wake up and do it all over again or do you like to explore
2: oh i'm definitely a hermit uh, i'm a hermit in general i mean i told yeah. you earlier that i don't do all those fun things that people do and instead sit in front of a computer and make videos talking at a camera so yeah I, I, I describe myself it. as a hermit yeah that's me <laughs>
0: Do you do you like to? Uh, you, how about food when you when you go? Do you try to get something good or you just try to get something familiar?
2: Uh,
0: or I I local, try to get I should say.
2: I try to get something that can sustain me for the long commentary stretches that we go for. Because uh, honestly, like. Um, Bless you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> nailed that one. Leave <laughs> yeah. that
2: in. Please, God, leave oh, that God. in. That was so perfect. Uh, <laughs> because honestly, loudest sneeze. <laughs> That's how <laughs> I feel. No. Um. Yeah, because honestly, like the stretches of just going are, are so like lengthy that you just find something, you eat it, and then you keep going. And then by the end of the day, you're just wiped. And so for me, I would love to just like. Get with a few friends, go grab something, you know, simple, eat it, and then just go crash in the hotel room.
0: That is fair. Uh, that does transition to us uh, to our first community question. Um, uh, brought to you by Flake. You may have heard of him, uh, Mister Matt oh, I Marco. Love that guy.
2: That guy's great.
0: He's, he's he is he's a nice guy. He asks, honey mustard or barbecue?
2: Ooh, um, honey mustard. I am more of a fan of honey mustard than barbecue, but uh, not not terribly not terribly over one or the other. I'll take I'll take um, buffalo sauce or hot sauce over both. Ooh, yeah.
0: Ooh, okay, all right, all right. Fair enough, fair enough. What what is uh what what does the hot sauce go on uh, the most? What's your
2: favorite? Put it uh, on favorite? anything. You can put hot sauce on anything. Why would you not? And like maybe not ice cream. That'd be weird.
0: That is that is it's exotic, is what it is. Uh, it might not be uh, societally correct, but somewhere, some someone's having it and enjoying it.
2: They had some really sick. Uh, I don't know if you got it over at uh, Charlotte, but in the uh, U.S. Nats this this couple weekends ago, they had some really sick uh, chicken tenders baskets with like the fries, jammed mm-hmm. some uh, some hot sauce mixed with ketchup in that. That was pretty good.
0: I did. I did get the chicken tenders. I regretted okay. getting the chicken tenders, but. Oh, <laughs>
2: didn't, I didn't, just didn't sit well with you.
0: My my body did not agree with that decision. I'll just <laughs> uh, put it that way. Um, Worlds is coming up. Mm-hmm. You are not part of the casting team for Worlds as far as I've seen in the pictures. Is that an accurate statement?
2: Yeah, that's correct.
0: Uh, were you offered the the spot or did you refuse it? Why? Why aren't you casting Worlds?
2: Mister? No, Arbata? they did not. They didn't offer me the spot sons of bitches Uh, it is what it is
0: Uh, you know there's there's drama everywhere brendan patrick comes i can't wait for him to come on because i am going to ask him a lot of uh, a lot of fiery questions but he is the newest member of the casting team have you have had obviously had a chance uh in previous times to interact with uh mr patrick you talked about your experience uh close to reaper um how, what is your thoughts on him coming on to, uh, on the casting team into the into the casting
2: world here? I love Brendan. I think Brendan's awesome. He's he's a good friend of mine. I I consider him a friend. He probably looks at me. He's like, oh yeah, there's that guy? But no, I think he's a, he's a good friend. Um, I think he's great. I've known Brendan since before the game exploded the first time, and the game exploded like three times in like five months. Yeah. And um, we were both. We both loved the game, and uh, he's a he's a great dude. And as far as casting is concerned, and I've been saying this since um, literally since uh, calling Vegas the first one, he is one of the best commentators that could be hired for any any gig. Like he's Hello. a fantastic commentator. And he does a really good job. He's very knowledgeable, and I think he's a slam dunk pick. Like I. I was actively trying to get them to, you know, like consider him just straight up for gigs before, because uh, he's really good. I, if he didn't know during the pandemic, he would run um, discord tournaments and he would just put them on stream and commentate them. Mm-hmm. And he was good at it. It was, it was more casual in nature, but he crushed it. And uh, I like, he's going to do really well. I think he's going to do a great job.
1: I was, uh... we uh, go ahead. I was going to just I'm, I have very fond memories of the fab discord gauntlet uh that him and mm-hmm. uh, it was mostly him and and he had a couple people jump in with him but mostly him and Dante Del Fico. and uh mm-hmm. I uh, there was some good competition in that um and it was always fun to go back and watch the streams if uh, if you ended up on stream no I, I I the fighters guild they they've done a decent job of kind of replacing the uh, the gauntlet mm-hmm, as like mm-hmm. that one premier online, like heavy, hev- heavily competitive event. But yep. yeah, discord gauntlet, they did it good. They did it very good. hundred percent
2: agree. And I think okay. it's going to be really fun to watch the uh, stuff. I am personally going, um, and I will probably just be playing in like a bunch of events. Um, but I, I am going to go back to the hotel and put on the stream because the stream quality is, like is going to be off the charts. I I can only imagine that they're just going to keep going from strength to strength when it comes to uh, just general quality and like uh, performance that they put on.
0: You had talked about uh, you you just mentioned now that you're going there to play. Um, great spot for our next community question from Capolo, uh, who has his own YouTube channel and is a friend yeah. uh, a friend of the pod. Uh, he asks. You are known for your content creation and commentary. What are your competitive aspirations? Do you want to win a calling or play in a pro tour?
2: My competitive aspirations are zero. And the reason that they are zero is because if I, if I had the opportunity to sit down and like prepare the way that I would prepare, that I would want to prepare and like the way that I know to prepare. I would want if I wanted to play in like a, a major event, I would want to commit myself to the testing and um and the practice of said event. And in doing so, I would have to I'd have to stop making videos at the same clip that I'm currently making videos, and I would have to stop uh, like other collaborations mm-hmm, that I would mm-hmm. currently, you know, be doing. Um and I don't know if I want to make that sacrifice. Um, yeah. even though I do want like the I, the idea of playing in those events is great but I think it's important to understand that like committing to something like that is not just like cool I'll just show up and play at least it isn't for me like mm-hmm. there's work that goes into it that means that I have to now be judicious with my time in different ways and so it's, it's all about weighing opportunity costs and like time costs you know mm-hmm.
0: nope I uh I feel that too to my bones. Uh, we just got done with a huge, uh, basically a nine-month-long grind test session that I, now that I'm not going to Worlds, have stopped <laughs> completely. And my my wife and kids are much happier that I am. I am putting the cards down uh, for a little bit. Still doing content though, because we're right here. Uh, mm-hmm. You are you are a very good. Flesh and Blood player in your own right uh, I have had the opportunity a couple times In your server uh, To play you Who wins In a four man CC tournament
2: Flake Tan
0: and Grace, Brian Gottlieb And you
2: Oh my god this is not even close Like this is in no way Shape or form is this even close Brian Gottlieb absolutely Clowns all of us probably Ooh. all At the same time and it's not even relatively that close. He Ooh. will literally wipe the floor with all of us. And I don't mean that as a knock on uh, my ability to play, or tannins, or flakes. The man is a dev. He just plays the game. Mm-hmm. All that's the right. time.
0: He's uh, He I will
2: destroy he... everyone, if he wanted to. That's that's how I feel about it.
0: That's right. I, uh, I know recently he... Um... He worked with LSS on, on Flesh and Blood, uh, actual card uh, design. That is yeah, the part I'm pretty I did sure he not... works
2: as like an S, right? He, he's still working with them.
0: Ah, that I did not know. I honestly don't know a ton about Brian Gottlieb, other than he is one of your, uh, your fellow quality casters.
2: Um, he's a uh, prolific Magic pro player mm-hmm. from years past. Um, he designed cards, I believe he designed cards in Magic the Gathering. Um, and he's doing the same in Flesh and Blood and uh, currently just like absolutely oh, just plays the game at a crazy clip because like that's what he does it's his job makes For all the sense in the
0: world that's why he would kick the crap out of everybody all yeah,
2: right. that's, that's the thing people need to understand they need to recognize the man's legit
0: you heard it here Gottlieb's the real deal uh, I want to take off the casting hat and put on your content creation hat. Uh, now, uh, we mentioned before, but you reached the 10, the 10,000 uh, subscriber milestone. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, talk a little bit about getting getting to that moment. Uh, how you how you celebrated, and I know you you released some merch for it. Um, and kind of what what is now that you've reached 10K? What's what's next? What what's next for the channel here?
2: So leading up to the 10k like point where we reached, um, it, it started off being like, wow, this this may actually happen. We could actually reach that point. And then as it became more of an eventuality and less of a like um, possibility, I was like, wow, this is this is incredibly exciting. I'm super excited to see you know when it happens, and I wanna I wanna try and celebrate in some big way. And then it took a little longer, and then it took a little longer, and I started to get anxious. And I was like, at some point, it actually turned to like, um, there's this moment of like, okay, if we can just uh, get this number to go slightly higher to another number, and eventually it goes to another digit, then we can move past that and uh, do something like, uh, I don't know, have a different uh, goal and milestone. And eventually it ticked all the way up, and uh, we stopped and we celebrated. And as I was thinking about this leading up to that moment, I was like, Eventually, the number just becomes another number and doesn't really matter in the long run of what that number actually says. Because when it comes down to it, I feel like I'm just going to keep doing this, whether the number goes up or down, and just like make things that I enjoy. And I feel like a lot more people can take that mentality wherever they sit and enjoy their experience more if they make content creation. So I started to switch into that mode of like, hey, the number's just going to do what the number does. If people want to click it and make the number go up, that's cool. And uh, eventually we hit 10K, and I celebrated on a stream, and uh, I had some really cool art commissioned uh, with uh, like the, the main character that uh, I had this uh, flesh-and-blood artist designed. And uh, the art is incredible, and so I put it onto uh, Playmats and Sleeves, and I uh, you know got it out to people that really wanted it to celebrate along with. And it was really cool. I enjoyed it.
0: You had, uh, so you just mentioned that um, uh, perhaps the next milestone doesn't necessarily matter. Do you have, like, is there still like a goal in the back of your mind that's kind of niggling at you? Like 15K, 13.5? Is there a number that is the next big one for you?
2: I don't think there's a number there anymore. I think um, when I saw that 10 K could be achieved, that was the, that was the end goal as far as Mm -hmm. numbers were concerned. Cause now the number goes up and I feel like I don't have as much, um, like I can't picture 11,000 versus 10,000. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's a weird switch one versus the other. And so, because I can't picture it, like it doesn't have as much impact to me, Mm -hmm. but Other there's like other sort of ancillary milestones that I think would have more impact like um, I don't know a video getting a ton of views because people really enjoyed it like that would be something that I would aim for is like I want to make something that people like oh just go crazy over and I don't know I don't know what uh, dynasty spoilers we're going to have rolling out here but maybe I can make a really cool dynasty spoiler video that has people get super super amped up and that can be my next big goal.
0: Well, we'll be watching them because we won't be making one.
2: <laughs> oh, Damn you, know Come along with, come along <laughs> for the ride. That that would <laughs> be gonna, the play right there.
0: We're gonna, we're we are we're gonna we're gonna enjoy Dynasty uh, spoiler season uh, right up to the very end. Your your videos are of outstanding quality, I must say. Um, Thank you. Are you? are you content with where you are right now in terms of your video production rate, your the, like the quality of the video? Is there any aspiration to scale up the operation so to speak?
2: No, I'm not content with it. Um, I'm not consistent as far as like um, uploading, at least I'm not as consistent as I would like it to be. Um, I look at things and I go, man, you know, if I had a few extra minutes, or an hour I could sit down and make that thing look better or I could I uh, I could buy like a different camera like an upgrade camera But and then I sit there and I agonize whether or not I should use my you know money wisely on that camera or if it's not enough of a benefit that it doesn't actually matter yeah no I am always conflicted about uh, just the general production quality of the videos it's like should I be taking more time to like edit these videos should I Try to keep, uh, you know, a really decent pace. I think there's there's when you really get into the nitty gritty of like releasing content, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about it, which is the interesting thing, because there's not a wrong answer. And there's not a right answer. There's just the answer that works for your audience. And so it takes a lot of like understanding what your audience wants and like what they like and what they respond to and then leaning into that. And then also trying to keep it original or fresh for you. And so I'm not happy at any point, really. Um, and I'm, not, I'm not sure I should be or will be. I think it's mm-hmm. it's probably good to not be too content with everything because then you just keep trying stuff, and that's good.
1: And uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, uh, and I, I think like when you when you can remain the I'm trying to think of the right way to sound this because remain unhappy isn't the right way to describe it. But if you can like never can, satisfied, right? Never always, satisfied. Always. That keeps you know that drives away the the complacency and, and causes you to yeah. always strive to just do something better and always strive for something. So no, yeah. I I respect that. I feel that. I think that that kind of goes into what Pat and I are trying always trying to do here as well. Uh the consistency thing is terrifying it's so hard oh
0: we we just put our late our last episode of the podcast was released was it yesterday
1: yesterday it was
0: it was it was yesterday which was a little late which is partly my fault because i gave him a hundred hours of just rambles to to edit down but then we're you know we're talking to you. We got to keep that schedule. So uh, we're already, we're, we're behind a little bit, but now we got to, you know, we got to keep up. And now the next one, I got the, I have our next guest next week, which we'll talk about uh, at the very end here, already messaging me, wondering about scheduling. I'm trying not to have a panic attack while conducting an interview. (laughs) Uh, So I commend the video portion, especially the edit. He handles the audio. I usually handle on the video side of things. But if you notice, uh, there's very little video that comes up because it's it's that you talk about that you know that balance and judicious time. I, 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 I kids are editing is really what where I come mm-hmm. come down to. I get the free time. Hey. Yep. Um, along with your channel and the 10,000 subscribers, you have a pretty large and thriving uh, Discord community. You uh. Breezy is uh, one of one of our longtime friends uh, here, even before even before content. uh, 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 Parker, one of my favorite playing buddies online on the main discord. And he's a great uh, dude. He really is. He's really great. He has been on. uh, He has been on. We 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 shot a special video uh, interview with him a little while ago, and that came out really nicely. Uh, But. I, w- I want you to talk about your your thriving Discord community and and what it takes to kind of cultivate that uh, and and bring it to where it is now and and some of the things that you're you're doing on the server.
2: Um, as far as cultivating it, I just made a Discord and then I uh, posted things into it uh, and then I tried to I tried to think about. What I would want to engage into from an authentic perspective, like, I mean, there's lots of things that you can do with discord, but the, the, I don't know when I think about it, like the driving force of a discord is like interaction between two people or between like a group of people and just like talking about things and talking about like yourself on a deeper level than just, you know, about like a game or something like that. And so... For me, I really enjoy like um, some of those weird ancillary channels that you can find in discords, like, yeah. um, you know, like a daily question where someone can literally just tell about something about themselves. Like, uh, let's see what's what was today's daily question? I don't know if I did it today uh, in my discord. I have a literal spot that says question of the day. And the question was, what's something that most people consider to be a luxury, but you don't think you could live without? I'll ask both of you so that we can learn about each other. What's something that you, that most people consider a luxury that you couldn't live without?
0: I have a very pretentious answer.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Um, you go first. I have, this is, this is, uh, I, I have a cleaning service that comes once every two weeks. Uh, it is relatively expensive and, uh, I would rather not eat or drink coffee <laughs> if it came down to it than stop them from coming just the the peace of mind that comes I live in a it is not <laughs> I live in a very large house through means that are I'm I'm renting it out I'm I am not extraordinarily wealthy and successful I am just an average guy I have a job I'm full-time employed but it is a large space I have a uh, My kids are very busy and chaotic people and my wife does an amazing job of making sure that they are alive on a full-time basis and wherever they need to go. So it is a lot to ask of one person or even two people to maintain such a place. So, uh, that uh the venusa thank you very much for cleaning our house every two weeks you don't listen at all so i can just shout <laughs> you out but that is my it's it is it is a luxury i'm i'm very fortunate to be able to hire them uh but i uh, i will let them go for my for my cold dead
1: corpse uh, <laughs> so that is Adam, my, what about you my answer uh the best thing i can think of off the top of my head and i like I feel like this answer is so lame compared to Pat's. Like, that's actually a really good answer of something luxurious for most people. Um, when I first uh, started... When when Skirmish Season 1 went online, and uh, that, that's kind of when I really got into Flesh and Blood, I, I recognized that I needed to get a webcam and some sort of headset. And at the time, I did not own AirPods. And I decided I would... This would be my opportunity my my excuse to buy myself a pair of AirPods and I remember prior to that thinking AirPods were like a gimmick and whatever and ever since I got them I am so in love with them and I couldn't imagine not having AirPods like they're so convenient like just anywhere I anywhere I am I just pop it in I can have a phone call with anyone they sound great when they're not charged, like I'll I'll forget to charge them, and then like I I have this like moment of panic. Like usually usually what happens is like I'll have like we're we're about to sit down to do the podcast, and I need to pop in my AirPod, and it's like oh crap, I forgot to charge it, and now I'm panicking trying to figure out how I can record the podcast and hear Pat <laughs> and everything. So that that's my answer is that that's the luxury. I don't think I could live without at this point is my AirPods. AirPods is a, is a good one. I
0: my airpods broke and i did not realize it was one of the only apple products which i have many i have the watch but the it turns out my my airpods were the only ones i did not put the apple care on so oh, when no. they broke that was it <laughs> i could not i could not go to an apple store and get them uh, repaired i just had to replace them so that was a very tragic uh, again very middle class tragedy happening there my airpods broke and i had to get other portable rechargeable headphones uh but dude i understand the first world how problems. you feel about them
1: yeah for sure mm. mine's but, avocado toast oh that's a good one too no i'm just kidding I, I <laughs> all right brady no, like no brady's uh, in
0: some shit right now we don't want to be following his uh, his lead anymore
2: no mine is uh, let's see uh youtube premium subscription don't have to awesome. watch ads holy crap it's the best that's yes. that's a luxury item that is so worth oh, it yeah um, one of my, So here's the beauty of this in Discord is I, I have these people that I interact with that I consider my friends, and one of them is named Apotamus and I love mm-hmm. Smokeapotamus. Mm-hmm. He's a Discord mod in my server now, and uh, his answer, a vent that blows hot air in his bathroom. Like, that's just what he decided, and I like that. I love that answer, and now I know something deeper about him that he actually uses the middle switch that no one touches in their bathroom. Go figure. Good for him.
1: That's I the have a middle switch in my bathroom. That's what a, what a luxury item. he has. <laughs> right. Right. That's a twofer right
0: there. The middle switch and the
2: veg. vent tube. It's amazing. <laughs> but anyway, that's what I like about discord. So I tried to lean into the idea that people connect all like authentically. So there's a, there's a couple other fun ones with like, um, You just share like your dog and stuff like that, your food Um, and just like having conversations. I really like having conversations on on Discord. So it's a lot of just like conversing with friends. And I think that's what I that's what I care about as far as Discord's concerned.
0: Very nice. I've always been a big fan of uh, the tournaments and such that go around, but it's mostly because I like to play with uh, the guys that hang around there. Uh, TCG Talk is on there a lot. Breezy. uh, Yeah you you you're uh, you actually picked up some pieces from uh, some fallen uh, flesh and blood content uh, comrades that were running uh, uh, tournaments on their discord but no no longer choose to uh, endorse such and i know there's some refugees that that floated upon your your discord uh, for that as well uh, so it is a it is a thriving competitive community uh, as well
2: we got to run more events. I think that's the. <clears throat> point.
0: Yeah, you know what? Well, you, there was, uh, I I used, I used to have to pick between uh, either yours or uh, an armory that was running uh, on Thursday nights, and the I had to prioritize the XP. Uh, so I usually went to the armory, but it doesn't really happen that often anymore. So if you fired them off, you know, like, hey, yeah, there's a lot more opportunity out there uh, to Thank play you. on Thursday nights.
2: I think we need to run like weird fun tournaments too. I think that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna run some weird stuff just so yep. that people can be more casual in the game. Absolutely. Um,
0: lore. I thought I heard. I'll be fully transparent. I believe I heard that you are a lore nut when it comes to flesh and blood. But I'm not sure if I had a fever dream or if I actually heard that.
2: Yeah. Are I like you the lore. a lore? I'm. A, like- I'm. Yeah. I love lore. The lore in this game is fantastic. How I think it's, it's it's worth it's worth digging into if you haven't already. You should definitely do it.
0: I where where would you like it to be? Is it like it feels like it's not entirely fleshed out, right? It seems like they've got a foundation for just about everything, and it does seem like they're kind of they're beginning that. You, you all the heroes basically kind of have been roughly identified. Their stories are starting to be told. Their identities uh, in the narrative. And now it, it seems like they're on the very beginnings of, of a convergence. Uh, mm-hmm. the Morlock and the Morlock Hill story was for me, like riveting, uh, when that came up, the, 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 the you know, the, the, oh, the so Shadow Realm is coming up, right? There's an unidentified hero with, with tentacles. Minerva is taken to Rynthia, uh, starts to go Super Saiyan. Bolton is is around the corner. We know that like, Katsu is around. Where do you have any inside information about where we're going here? Where what is what is going to be happening in the story?
2: Oh, no. Inside information from like uh, LSS. I have yeah. nothing. But all I know is that I'm just gonna keep reading what they put out there and piecing it together because it is, mm-hmm. I think they're doing this the, the exact right way. I think this, mm-hmm. this idea of like, giving you all these ancillary characters that don't necessarily connect, but then weaving their stories together slowly but surely is incredibly fascinating. And uh, yes, I would like them to go a little faster so that we can kind of see mm-hmm. this come to fruition, mm-hmm. but you have to line it up okay. with sets that you can release. Yeah. And so I think they're they're doing a really cool thing with Dynasty, hopefully that uh you know like involves a lot of the lore and from what I can tell um they're going to lean heavy into it. That's kind of what they mentioned in some like the James White interviews that the lore is mm-hmm. going to be very central. I really hope that's the case and I want to see how they execute that because uh if so, I think that's going to be a huge selling point for people who are like into D&D and stuff like that.
0: I agree. I, I am interested to see how closely they tie in uh, some of the things. I bring up uh, Morlock Hill. It was a riveting thing, but it had almost it felt like nothing to do with what was going on coming up to Uprising and into Dynasty at the time, unless it does. And it it would be I would be freaking out if we see even a hint of the light shadow relationship Inserted just a little bit into into Dynasty to kind of get that convergence that I, I had mentioned going.
2: Well, it was it was the Morlock Hill storyline that um, at the very end the two heroes propose that they go and try to ask for help from other regions yeah. and from other kingdoms. And so it is because of that that they send Shiana to Volcor to appease or to try and talk to and convince the Emperor that mm-hmm. uh, you know the Emperor should rally the the. Um, Drakai and go and, and fight against uh, the demonastery. Monastery. So it it does it does tie in, in pretty directly. And it also technically ties into Icelander's storyline. I made a video on Icelander and, and her place within this, like, um, story thus far. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, Shiana enters into that story and, like, um, helps Icelander kind of make her way through Ashfahan, the capital city, and uh, into into this building that is like a, basically just like a giant uh, library for the arcane arts where she's trying to study and master her um, you know, element and arcane abilities. So I think it fits nicely. I think that really Mor- – Morlock Hill is the jumping off point for mm-hmm. why we get to um, Uprising and why Uprising kind of connects to the larger storyline thus far. And I do think it's going to connect um, even more depending on how they take uh, the Emperor and his role – in the mm-hmm. in the larger storyline of of what he's actually like meant to do as the Emperor of Volcor, because it's not just about I'll just say this it's not just about managing the the kingdom of Volcor. His job is not that simple.
0: That is so intriguing. I'm so glad I, I asked you There's, you connected a lot of dots for me. I thought I I thought I was caught up. I clearly missed uh, the Cheyenne connection uh, between Morlock Hill and uh, in uprising there so you you just you just made it you made a whole lot of sense and now i now i'm really looking forward to dynasty cuz i'm really hoping to see uh my hot take is that it's going to be the talent set so i think they're going to add my more word. they're they're going to i think ev- all talents will also be uh, supported in one way or another we'll see how that goes um all right we're rounding the bases uh here you you're not just a flesh and blood guy. Would you say flesh and blood is your, you obviously the DM stands for something, but as it stands right now, what is the, the primary game on your channel?
2: Yeah. Flesh and blood is the primary game on the channel. I've covered a variety of games in the past. I started the channel on, um, on dice masters. And from that point, uh, I made a bunch of contact, uh, content for dice masters. And then kind of jumped off from there, uh, going, I, I did, you know, Dice Masters and Keyforge. I did Dice Masters, Keyforge, and Flesh and Blood, and then I started pivoting more towards Flesh and Blood during the pandemic, just because of the the way that um, you know, like releases kind of slowed down basically every other game except Flesh and Blood, which I mean, kudos to Flesh and Blood and like uh-huh. other major games uh, for making their way through and just keeping a, a steady stream of stuff for us to play, you know. And uh, yeah, now for me, it's just all about it.
0: Excellent, excellent. Fair enough. I can leave it. I can leave it at that. Uh, I want to. Uh, I think this is our last set of questions here. You, you're a band director uh, for, uh, by occupation. My, uh, I have band directors in the family. Not that that's relevant to any means, but I can, I can appreciate what you do for work. Uh, you obviously have a, a, a passion for music. Are you yourself a practicing musician?
2: define practicing
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what instrument can you pick up right now and play
2: you don't have to do it right now but if i can pick up i can pick up any band instrument and play you something
0: oh what was your primary concentration trumpet yeah
2: yeah. so i i picked up trumpet Mm -hmm. in sixth grade and i uh i did trumpet all the way through high school and college but Mm -hmm. when you're when you go to when you go to college for music education um depending on where you go you are essentially given either like a crash course in every instrument or like a full semester long course in each uh-huh. instrument um, in the band so that you can essentially just teach that. So yeah, I can pick up every band instrument and play you something. And um, I took all of those classes very seriously uh, because I knew that I wanted to teach kids how to play those instruments. And so I became decently provision at just about every instrument. Uh, so yeah, I could, pl- I could play you a tune. I don't have an instrument here in this room. Uh, but yeah, I that is, that is I, right. I play instruments every day. Every day. And I listen to lots of instruments every day. And it's loud.
0: Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes it is. Uh, that's fine. My my father and my brother are brass uh, people as well. Trombone is the old man, but uh, my brother is a trumpeter uh, mainly as well. He can do the same thing. It was just freaky to me. I have not an ounce of rhythm in my entire body. Can't 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 tune a piano. Save my life, but he can pick up a couple rocks and make make music uh, out of it. So kudos uh, to you. Your uh, your influences in music. Who who would they be? Uh,
2: listening or performing?
0: Let's go with performing.
2: Uh, I don't I don't have a ton of influences I would say anymore. I think it's it's tough because like my job is to train musicians and to you know teach them from the ground up. Like right now I'm teaching middle school, so mm-hmm. um, I'm teaching kids how to literally hold the instrument, how to shape their you know like uh, setups and then play, mm-hmm. um, and so. For me, performing is not something that I necessarily go out and and actively do, especially with all the other hobbies that I have. And by mm-hmm. hobbies, I mean one hobby, and it's this what we're doing. Yeah. So I don't I don't necessarily go out and perform. Uh, but if I had to pick some people, it would be the people that I studied with um, in college, because I studied with some of the best trumpet players, um, just on the face of the earth. And not only that, they're the they're even better people, and they uh, very much instilled this idea of like dedicating yourself to a craft which i think i learned heavily from them and then applied to what i'm doing right now both music education and also content creation the idea of dedicating yourself to something and and, and making a, you know a very concerted effort to be consistent and that sort of thing i think is a is a skill that i learned at a deeper level in high school and college in the arts
0: Excellent. Are you, are, are you a Brian Adams fan?
2: No, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I, here's the weird thing. Are you ready? I yeah. don't listen to music. I don't oh. listen to music. All right. So like, I, it's not something that I do. It's like, um, it's like a chef goes and cooks mm-hmm. food yep. for like 10 hours and then they go home. Yep. I don't know if that chef cooks for themself. But if they do good for them, because I don't listen to music after I'm done teaching it all day, I actively avoid that. And I listen to people talk to each other uh, on the Internet because that is not as loud and painful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to listen to.
0: (laughs) Adam, I'm going to throw a curveball. You're going to answer this one. What is your favorite Bryan Adams song? And uh, my personal note, why is it everything I do? I do it for you. Uh, I before hold on. I gotta I gotta start it is a community question. I wanted to I wanted to lead up to see if Steven was gonna be a good to answer, but if he's not listening to music, he's not gonna have a favorite Brian Adams song.
2: I love the the, the the clear yeah. answer is Summer of Sixty Nine, and it's it's and it's not the song from Robin Hood. <laughs> it's,
0: it's, so not good, the, though. It's, it's not so the it's not the song from
2: Robin Hood. It's Summer of Sixty Nine. <laughs> it's a full stop on that. And then you move on. And honestly, Brian Adams like I don't know, cut rate Bruce Springsteen? Am I allowed to take that stance? Is that a good enough take? I don't know. I don't like either of them. I'm not (laughs) going to lie to you. That is not my genre. I'm not, not my cup of tea.
0: I do, I do want to credit, I don't know if you can pronounce his discord name. I know who he is in real life, but I cannot pronounce. Is that Tyquias? Tyquias?
1: I I think so, Yes.
0: All right, all right. Uh, he is—he's is a member of our Discord, Uh He is—he's—he's uh, he's a judge. He was with us in New Jersey. Uh, I forget his—I forget his actual name, but he ate dinner with us a whole lot. But that was his community question. Best Brian Adams song. You're—you're <laughs> you're wrong. It's—it's it's the Robin Hood song. No, it's, it's come magical.
2: On. <laughs> Everything I do, I do for you, God. It's just so. Oh. It's so quintessentially like cheesy.
0: Oh man! All right, I have dragged this whole thing through the mud long enough. I have kept you here uh, shackled to the pod, and it is time to it is time to wrap it up. Uh, thank you for coming on. Yes, thank you so to much. the podcast. Um, Thanks for having
2: was, me. This was fun.
0: We we appreciate everything that you do, and uh, this is your uh, opportunity right now to plug show your stuff where where can we find you what are the give me your tags give me everything you got
2: oh for sure you can find me on youtube.com slash dm armada making youtube videos about cards getting banned and feeling salty about them uh you can also (laughs) check me out on twitter making posts about cards getting banned and feeling salty i didn't actually do that that much Uh, No, I just, I hang out on Twitter. Twitter, I think is like something that I totally hated on. And then I started getting into it and now I love it. Uh, But I also do like, there's, there's like a page on Facebook you can follow as well. Literally just DM Armada and Instagram exists. I can't say I post to it, but it exists. So you can hit the follow button there too. Maybe I'll post something spicy to it one day. I don't know. Uh,
0: You know, it is, it is there and we'll have, uh, we'll have his. His links uh, in the show yes, notes below uh, when we do that. Alright, uh, you can find us before I do the plug. Am I missing anything Adam? Is there something special that we
1: need to say that I'm not remembering? No, I think I think we're good. Uh, we're we're right. covering the plugs this time. That's good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right. Yes, yes. The life is a whirlwind. I am terrible at remembering to plug our own stuff. Um, <clears throat> that's right. I did want to mention, so We have DM Armada. This is the beginning of a huge month for us uh, in October. I wanted to do a little rundown uh, real quick of the guests to come. Uh, Next week, we are going to have uh, legendary Canadian Nationals uh, caster Frank Hung, better known as Lazy Dog, uh, on social media. He is is a quirky little guy. Uh, He makes niche food uh, videos, and he is a hell of a flesh and blood player. So he's coming on next week. Uh, the week after that, we have the aforementioned new uh, member of the casting team, Brendan Patrick of Arsenal Pass. He is coming on uh, the week of the 18th. And to uh, to round out the month, uh, the New Zealand national champion, Matt Rogers, uh, salty for not being mentioned in the best player in the world poll that the combat chain posted <laughs> a few days ago, Uh, will be, uh, coming, coming on to end the month of October with us. So big things coming up. Uh, we are working on a, uh, the world championship primer. I shot my shot to see if I could get James White on you know, one of the million, there's still a chance. They said no. Uh, I am. We're going to be organizing something special for our uh, pre-World Championship episode, which will be the first one uh, in November. So you'll hear more about that uh, uh, later. But if you want to hear all those guests and, of course, Mr. Armada, you can find us on YouTube on the Combat Chain podcast. You can find us on Twitter at The Combat Chain. You can find myself at PatSmashGood.com. And you can find a sneezing, allergic Adam Philipchuk at TCG. Now, Stephen, we have one last bit of business uh, to conduct here. Um, we ask all our guests to to help out with the outro. Now, I am going to say until next week, and then all of us in unison, in, in in perfect band harmony, we are closing the combat chain. Is that something... Uh, we can ask of you uh, right Deal.
2: now. Let's do it.
0: All right. DM yeah, Armada, thank you again for coming on to the podcast. I think that is going to do it for us, Adam. So until next week, we're closing, we're closing the, the combat, combat chain. uh uh-huh. There it is. And that's a wrap.
2: Did we crush that synchronization? Oh, it's
0: beautiful. I can see it lined up on the tracks. It
2: looks great.